In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with the Cleveland Browns beat writer, Daryl Reiter. Daryl, how are you? I'm good, Paul. Thanks for having me, bud. Excellent. The first question I've got to ask you is, what do we do on a day like this when there's no news coming out of Bria? Well, I have the day off today. So uh, I paid my taxes, went and saw my <laughs> tax guy. That's done. Uh, watered the lawn. Uh, I will probably go to a movie. I'm hosting first thing tomorrow morning. So I will be in bed early so that I'm up early tomorrow. Uh, and oh, yes, we thank the football gods because we need these breaks every once in a while because the Browns have been nonstop news for like the last 20 years. <laughs> awesome. And uh, hosting, what are you hosting tomorrow? I'm hosting with Ken Carmen on our morning show on 92.3 The Fan. So I'm awesome. filling in. So he's, he's got to put up with me for four hours, that poor guy. Ken's a great guy. And I always love his approach. You know, he says how it is. So it's, uh, uh, he, yeah, he's a good guy. And he's been on the show. I think he's going to come on the show next week again. So uh, please say hi to Ken. Yeah, we, uh, we try and keep it real at 92.3. Excellent. And uh, obviously, being here in the UK, we can't have the we can't listen to you. That's the problem. There's uh, international barriers. So, um, uh, oh, they don't I, let you listen to radio.com over across the pond. No. Oh. So when it, it, it's really interesting when we hear um, people criticizing the um, radio shows on Twitter, for example, we've got no idea what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> Most international listeners will religiously listen to uh, Cleveland Browns Daily, and that's six o'clock in the UK to eight o'clock. So, um, and 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 that's what we get. So that's why for international listeners, podcasts are so great because there's no barriers. I'm sure we'll have some podcasts posted on the website. Now I've got a podcast that I'm doing now too with our Indians beat reporter James Rapine. We call it the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast, where we talk. Uh, everything about the the Browns, the Indians, the Cavaliers, and then I I try and basically do uh, what I can every podcast to completely derail the topic of conversation into something that completely has nothing to do with what we were talking about. So uh, plenty of podcasts uh, on our website, and uh, like I said, I'm doing that podcast now uh, with our Indians guys. So it's been a lot of fun. Excellent, and actually, Daryl, I'm going to my first Indians game in. The end of May, I think the twenty fifth of May. You'll what, have to hit me up. Okay, excellent. Well, I, I'll, I'll you can plug your podcast in a second. I'll plug my, uh, plug my event. Um, uh, a good friend of mine, Ma- Matthew Dixon, suffering from or he's fighting bone cancer, and we're going to start at midday at the Brown Stadium and then go to the Indian Stadium, buy the cheapest tickets we can buy, fifteen bucks in the district area, and just make a day of it. And uh, it will be for charity and. Uh, I will be selling some tickets, that, um, sorry, selling some T-shirts that will go directly to Matthew's fund. So uh, that's my plan at the end of May. Oh, excellent. Well, uh, please get in touch with me when you're in town and uh, let's link up. Awesome. And you can return. Do you want to plug where we can find your podcast? 
923thefan.com, or if you are a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find podcasts, just type in Cleveland Sports Beat. It should pop right up there, and you can subscribe there. Excellent. And Daryl, we had Bo Bishop on last uh, the, earlier this week, and it was great just to find out a little bit more about his background. And I thought what a great thing to do is us international listeners don't know a lot about yourself. So it'd be great just to understand how did all, how did it all happen for you? Um, by accident, I'll be perfectly honest. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I got into uh, the radio business right out of uh, high school, went to, went to a uh, broadcasting school in Cleveland, had a couple of internships, was able to really network well, uh, worked with a lot of great people, learned from a lot of great people, and uh, a lot of them are good friends uh, that uh, I'm still in touch with uh, today. But, you know, I originally kind of got into this thing to, to work in radio, uh, to be a radio reporter, radio talk show host, whatnot. The talk show host thing hasn't really gone as uh, I would have uh, thought it would back when I was young and dumb at the age of uh, 18, 19 years old. But, um, I uh, basically the job uh, requirements of, you know, what I do on a daily basis, it evolved into a beat writing job. And uh, so I'd say about 10 years ago is when I really started writing uh, on a full-time basis on a daily basis. So it's just kind of uh, naturally evolved into that. And uh, I've been lucky enough to, uh, to work at the fan since 2011 when the station launched. Uh, I used to work uh, for the the other sports talk station in Cleveland, I don't want to give them any plugs, but okay, I used to work good. on the I used to work on the AM part of the dial for a good fifteen years before uh, before I joined the fans. So uh, in all, I've been in the Cleveland market uh, working in some capacity for over twenty years. So I'm very very blessed. Yeah, and you've got a great social media uh, network. You've got what forty thousand followers. So uh, you're a uh, you're Mr. Mr. Beat Writer in Cleveland, so it's, it's great to uh, have you on, and uh, uh, I always enjoy your uh, social media takes. I've got to ask you, what's the best ever story that you've broke? Oh, boy. Um, I, I would probably say uh, a couple of years ago, when things were really, really going bad uh, for the Browns, um, there were a lot of there was a lot of grumbling going on behind the scenes, especially you know on the business side. The great thing about the Browns turning things around right now is the people behind the scenes that work for the team are now going to finally start to to benefit and their jobs become uh, rather easy. But I, I wrote a, a semi in depth uh, article about you know some of the trials and tribulations behind the scenes, the frustrations uh, and, and whatnot. Um, you know, I would say it was a breaking news story, but it was a difficult story to write because it's one of those that, you know, had to absolutely be well sourced, uh, had to be uh, vetted by myself. I vetted it through uh, my, my superiors, too, uh, who were very supportive uh, with the story as well, you know, just kind of showing them some of the things that I was being told about what was going on. Uh, behind the scenes and some of the difficulties people were incurring. So I, I'd probably say that was might have been one of the more difficult stories that, I, that I've, uh, I've had to, to, to write about just because, um, you know, losing's no fun. There's no question about that. And, you know, we forget, or not so much we, but and maybe to a degree in the media, uh, but, you know, fans forget that players and coaches are human beings. They have family. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that read and listen to everything uh, that, that I write and say, 
um, that take it to heart, that are offended by it and, and whatnot. But, you know, they're more than just names on a roster, you know. Uh, and also, too, the people that work for these teams. There are a lot of people that work really, really hard behind the scenes that, you know, they don't, they don't get, obviously, the same publicity that the players do. Uh, but they are impacted by what takes place on the field. And, you know, if the team's not doing well, it means tickets don't sell well or merchandise doesn't sell well. Uh, and, 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 you know, the, the multimedia people that work for the team, you know, their creativity kind of gets limited because you can't have a lot of fun, be it on social media or with some of your, you know, broadcast, uh, you know, productions that you do in-house because, you know, people will look at it with, a, with kind of a snarky eye. You know, why don't you worry about, uh, winning games than, you know, trying to be uh, creative and, and fun with your media. So it's it's actually been kind of fun the last couple of months to watch a lot of those people that have worked for the organization through some of the worst times, not only for the Browns, but in <laughs> that in any NFL team has ever endured, be able to see their work start to shine with their creativity. It is a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I've got to say, um, the clevelandbrowns.com, the website's been super exciting ever since we signed uh, Odell uh, Beckham. It's gone to another league. It's been great hearing up-to-date information 24 hours 7. It's been, it's just changed another gear, uh, Cleveland Brown says. And, and that leads me on to my next question, actually. Um, how did you hear about the uh, Odell Beckham uh, trade? Well, my phone was blowing up all afternoon with uh, tidbits and, and, and rumors and, and, you know, hey, Daryl, this is actually really happening. I know you're a skeptic, but it's, <laughs> and I, just, I, I just I didn't want to believe it. And, and I, I admit that, you know, I did not think it was going to happen. I thought it was more a situation where fans and media were trying to will the trade happening. Um, so I, I was sitting in my office. Uh, and, uh, I just saw, uh, the notification pop up from, uh, from Twitter, Odell Beckham Jr. has been traded to the Cleveland Browns. And I, I did a triple take. I, I went, you know, I think it was Mike Garofolo from the NFL network who, who broke the story of the trade. You know, I, I went to his Twitter account to make sure that it wasn't one of those spoof Twitter accounts. <laughs> I know. Trying, yeah, I see him all the time. You know, you know trying to, to, to get Adam, Adam Streifner uh, or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I go, I, I see the blue check. I see that in his account, a couple hundred thousand followers, man. I'm like, so I, I start texting people that were texting me earlier in the day and, uh, you know, was you know, able to to confirm that yes, in fact, <laughs> the Browns did trade for Odell Beckham Jr. And uh, um, uh, Cleveland acted like the team just won the Super Bowl uh, or LeBron James had just returned to the Cavaliers again. It was, uh, it was an incredible night for the city and, and for Browns fans, but that's kind of how uh, I found out and uh, what I did shortly thereafter. Yeah. Well, Odell is definitely in London. I know that for a fact. <laughs> He's on vacation. Uh, he uh, was. He had his life planned. I know that there's some people that think that he should be with the team right now, but uh, he hadn't planned on the off-season program for the New York Giants starting until mid-April. So he had all these vacations set up uh, for him. Uh, he was in Italy, uh, or, or I think, or Paris. When Paris. He yeah. Out, yeah, he was in Paris when he found out about the trade when Dave Gettleman, the Giants general manager, called him and said, hey, I've, I've traded you to the Cleveland Browns. Um, so he's been, he's been on vacation in, in the Browns. Uh, obviously, the offseason program, it's, it's voluntary. So he's actually not required to be there. But, uh, you know, he's, he's been able to take the vacations that he had 
uh, previously planned, and uh, soon we'll see him in Cleveland on a regular basis as they uh, really get into the meat and potatoes of the off-season program and, and get ready for uh, the upcoming season. And what's your thoughts on that? Do you think he should be there in Cleveland or fair play? He booked a vacation, let him have his vacation. No, I, uh, I have no issue with him uh, right now, kind of living his life again. The off-season program is voluntary. It's not, it's not required that the players uh, participate in it. Uh, you know, his life had just gotten turned upside down. Uh, so, no, I, I really don't have a problem with him living his life. Now, when it gets into the OTAs and the June minicamp, absolutely I would expect that he'd be there and, uh, and be participating. It's not going to go down too well in Cleveland if he leaves during that period and goes to Vegas, Paris, or London. <laughs> well, he'll have plenty of vacation time uh, starting on June 8th when the, uh, the mini camp ends, and then uh, they'll have about six and a half weeks or so before training camp begins that last week of July. Yeah, question about this uh, mandatory thing at the moment. Is Duke Johnson actually training at the moment? Does anyone know? Or um, is he still... Um choosing not to come in well he is uh he's not uh participating at the moment that's his right again this is voluntary uh he wants to be traded um the browns have publicly say they don't want to trade him i look for duke johnson to be traded during the nfl draft i think that john dorsey will move him along with the draft pick in an effort to move up the draft board so um, I, I'd be somewhat surprised just based on how this offseason has gone. Had Duke not had the trade demand that became public, um, I think he would have remained a Cleveland Brown. But now that the trade demand's out there, John Dorsey and Freddie Kitchens do not want unhappy players in their locker room um, with what they're trying to build and what they're trying to turn around from a culture standpoint. So if Duke Johnson doesn't want to be here anymore, I think that John Dorsey will accommodate that request but he will do it on his terms and his timeline. What do you think Duke Johnson's worth? He's obviously got that huge contract tied to him. So clubs won't be desperate to get him, but he is obviously a huge talent. So, well, the contract's not that big though. I mean, it's, no, it, no it's he signed for three years between 12 and 15 last yeah, year. Five a year. Uh, yeah. So. So, so, so that's, that's not a lot of money and most of the guarantees have been, have been paid. So, uh, you can get out of it after this year as well if you want to. So um, uh, the Bears just traded a running back to the Eagles uh, for a uh, 2026 round pick, I believe. So I don't think that there's – I think Duke's going to ultimately be a sweetener in a trade. I, I just – I don't – unfortunately, uh, running back just is not a position that's valued in the NFL from a financial standpoint, from an asset standpoint. It's viewed as a plug-and-play position. It's certainly valuable, you know, Paul, week-to-week -week game plan. You need a running game. You need guys that can catch the football out of the backfield. So um, it's not minimized from the execution standpoint and trying to win football games. But when you're talking dollars and cents, when you're talking about the positional value when it comes to trades, unfortunately, there really just is not a major premium you know, placed on that. And the Browns have two running backs on their roster right now and Nick Chubb. And then uh, when you get eight games into the season, into that ninth game and Kareem Hunt is eligible to play again, you've got uh, two 1,000 yard rusher capable running backs coming out of your backfield. And uh, with all due respect to Duke, he's, uh, you know, he's not a thousand yard runner coming out of the backfield. Yeah, it's a really fair point. If you look at someone like uh, Philip Lindsay or 
Isel Crowell, for example, both undrafted free agents. And yeah, they're, they're maybe what top 20, top, yeah, top 15 running backs in the, in, in the league. And yeah, you can get an undrafted free agent like that and do well. You're not going to get a, call, uh, a quarterback as undrafted free agent and be so successful. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, the reason John Dorsey can trade Duke is, and I know people are, are up in arms about it or nervous about it, but, you know, John Dorsey has a draft coming up. He can always draft a running back. You've got undrafted free agents that he's going to be able to look at. You can find someone there too. So um, it's, it's not going to be a traumatic situation for the Cleveland Browns if they do trade Duke Johnson Jr., regardless of, you know, I do believe he's a talented player. I really do. Uh, but, uh, again, if he doesn't want to be with the Browns anymore following the signing of Kareem Hunt, then I think uh, John Dorsey, it behooves him to move on. Daryl, are you concerned at all about all these assets we've got in two, three seasons? They're going to hit us quite hard with uh, cap space. Are you concerned? Or let's just forget about it and just go for it. No, here's why I'm not concerned. Uh, right now, after the draft pool is uh, subtracted, I'm, I'm going to simplify the math for you. I don't want to go too in-depth. Yeah, okay. uh, and, I, and, and I have to simplify it for myself, too. <laughs> or either that <laughs> or I have to break out the calculator. But, uh, you know, the Browns right now, once you subtract the draft pool, they have about $30 million in salary cap space remaining. I anticipate that they're going to probably spend maybe two or three more million of that this offseason. Because of undrafted free agents, maybe they bring in another free agent or two, eight a million or two bucks uh, or two million uh, for the year. Um, so I think they're going to move about twenty-eight million over to next year. But the salary cap's probably going to go up another ten million. So now that twenty-eight million in, in salary cap room becomes thirty-eight million. Well, the Browns also have over twenty-one million in dead cap space. So now let's take that thirty-eight million add 21 million to that. And if my math is correct, that takes me to $59 million. Okay. So next off season, the Browns will start with approximately $59 million in salary cap space, which will be down 20 million from the 79 million that they started this off season with. So I think that they're in pretty good shape salary cap wise. They're pretty much done with the big ticket items, you know, they're, they're done spending the big dollar outside of the organization. Now, Demarius Randall, I, uh, uh, you know, they've been wanting to extend him this offseason, the safety they got last year from Green Bay in the Deshaun Kaiser trade, which I think is one of the greatest heists of all time, yep. along with the Odell Beckham Jr. trade that included a Pro Bowl defensive end Olivier Vernon this offseason. Um, you know, so... I, I, I think that they're in good shape going forward, and John Dorsey's going to be very careful with how he spends that cap. Miles Garrett's contract will be next year. Uh, Baker Mayfield, you're three more off seasons away. It's in the fourth year that you want you'll you know try and extend him. You 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 pick up that fifth year option that's on his contract to get that fifth year of control. But usually, when you get to that fourth year, is when you go ahead and you try and extend him. So they have some time, but I'm not overly concerned about the salary cap situation at this point because uh, you, of the dead cap space that they're going to gain back, the 
close to 30 million they're going to roll over and again i fully expect there to be about a 10 million dollar increase in the cap for 2020 mate thanks for explaining that that makes full sense i can now go bed tonight and relax uh, so uh, <laughs> great to know my my co-host jack is a uh, loves talking about the cap and he's very concerned about obviously baker and uh, miles both needing contracts extensions at the, a similar time but let's let's part that my next question for you is what positions would you take in order of the draft, second, third, and fourth round, discounting any talent available? So just looking at the them three first round first picks we've got, what positions do you think we need the most and discounting talent? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, John Dorsey's in a great position where he doesn't have to draft starting football players now. He's got 22 starters on both sides of the football with the maneuvers that he's made over these uh, two off seasons since taking over as GM. And that's an incredible feat, if you think about it, with the talent deficiency this, this roster had at the end of the 2017 season that saw them not win a single game. So um, just as far as uh, position priorities that I think that they need to address, certainly I think that they need help in the secondary uh, corner, I think needs to be a bit of a, a priority from a depth perspective. I know they added two safeties recently, but it never hurts maybe to look at adding another safety. A defensive lineman certainly would help. So basically at all levels of the defense, they could use some depth. On the offensive side of the ball, Paul, um, again, they signed two offensive linemen this offseason. They signed a backup guard. They signed a backup tackle, both flexible players uh, that can, can move around on that line. Uh, on the interior as well as the exterior of the line. So from a depth perspective, I think that they're okay, but it never hurts to maybe add another offensive lineman. Tight end, though. I think tight end all of a sudden might become a priority from a depth standpoint. Um, you know, they got to figure out, well, Seth DeValve, is he a, is he a player um, that they can count on long-term? Uh, David Njoku has still has a tremendous amount of upside. We saw what a prolific red zone target he can be. Um, uh, last year, uh, I anticipate he'll continue to develop, but I think tight end, it could be a position. And obviously we already touched on running back earlier about that situation. You know, obviously adding a running back at some point will be important. So um, every level of the defense, then on the offensive side of the ball, maybe another offensive lineman, uh, a running back and a tight end. Yeah, myself, if you put a gun to my head and I had to say the, th the three positions in order would be cornerback, lineback, DT. Well, it's interesting you mentioned quarterback and it, it's... Um, sorry, you know, cornerback, I, I, cornerback, sorry. Corner, corner, I'm yeah. sorry, I misunderstood. No, no, sorry. Uh, yeah, I, 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 would, I would definitely, uh, I think that, that, I think that you're, uh, you're, you're in the ballpark and on the money with, with, you know, with, with those three spots. And like I said, I've got corner at like the top of my wish list right now. But I think what Dorsey's ultimately going to end up doing in this draft, um, aside from moving up and down the board, because I think he's going to be very aggressive. I think he might try and trade back up into that first round, whether it's the Rams or the Patriots, because that's the least amount of money you'd have to spend on a first round pick so that you get that fifth year option. Um, that's why you always see teams trading back into the back end of the first round of the draft. The reason being is, is you get that fifth year option on the contract for a first round pick because second round picks through seventh round picks, those are only four year deals and you don't have that extra year of control.
Really good point there, yeah. And uh, I only learned that a couple of weeks ago, and it's such a, a key thing. And it's quite interesting because the last draft, we had two players on the edge of them four-year deals. So uh, Corbett and Chubb were both on four years where they could have been five years if they weren't. Right. Yeah, and, you know, uh, with Austin, you know, he's, he's you know, right, and, and Schobert too, you know, they, they're going to have to decide on him as well. I know he made the Pro Bowl in 2017. You've got a new defensive coordinator in Steve Wilkes. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, uh, how he fits with what Steve Wilkes wants him to do. Because as you know, every time you change out uh, your, a portion of your coaching staff or all your coaching staff in, in – uh, or on either side of the football, there is, uh, you know, typically adjustments made uh, from a personnel standpoint. And um, while maybe a year ago, Joe Schobert seemed like he was going to be a cornerstone of the defense uh, going forward, I think that all of a sudden now that becomes a, a question uh, here that needs to be answered in uh, 2019. Can you see the Browns taking uh, Jeffrey Simmons um, with that first second round pick? Yeah, I can because, I mean, he signed Kareem Hunt. Uh, Antonio Callaway last year uh, had some character concerns and red flags, significant red flags uh, that uh, turned him from a first-round pick to some people would, didn't even have him on their board. They felt he was undraftable, and Dorsey drafted him in the fourth round. So Dorsey has proven if you can play the sport of football at a high level, he's willing to – uh, take a chance on those players that have those character concerns and, and major, red, uh, major red flags. Uh, he believes that the Browns organization is, is strong enough to be able to help these guys with, uh, you know, whatever off-the-field transgressions that they, they have had. Uh, they, they feel that they have a strong enough organization to, uh, to help those players put those incidents behind them and then also moving forward, keep themselves uh, out of trouble. And uh, obviously – uh, the biggest test of that is going to be uh, Kareem Hunt. And I think that's right now why the Browns are, I don't want to say fighting with the NFL league office, but they're petitioning and requesting from the NFL league office that when Kareem Hunt does begin serving that suspension after the final cutdowns on August 31st for the first eight games of the season, um, because under the normal rules, you're not allowed to be in the building. You're not allowed to be around the team, et cetera. Well, the Browns are, uh, you know, trying to get the NFL to, to make an exception in this case and say, hey, Kareem Hunt is better off around us, even though he's not practicing, he's not participating, but it's, a, it, it's better for everybody if Kareem Hunt is allowed in our building while he is suspended. One thing I'll say about Dorsey is he's like an earthquake. He, he does a huge deal, then there's a few... Uh, there's an after effect and another deal goes through, then it all goes quiet again. Can you feel anything going on at the moment? Is the Richter scale anything coming up soon as a beat writer? Can uh, you... I, think, I think it's the draft. Uh, I, I really do. I mean, they don't have a first round pick right now. And I do think that that, that can change. Um, he has shown him, he's shown that he's a, a, a very aggressive general manager and he's basically built this team you know, aside from picking Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward last year uh, in, in the draft with the, the first and fourth picks, he has built this team through trades. You know, Jarvis Landry traded for a uh, trade with Miami. Uh, uh, Demarius Randall, we mentioned him earlier, trade with Green Bay. Um, 
you know. So he has uh, Odell Beckham Jr., Olivier Vernon, obviously. Those are trades. So he, he has really added core foundation pieces of this team through the trade market. So uh, I anticipate that he'll be wheeling and dealing come draft time, moving up and down those draft boards, uh, you know, trying to, uh, uh, you know, get the player that he, he really wants that's, that's on that draft board. So I, I do think that there's a chance he will try and get back into the back end of that first round so he can take a player he wants and get that fifth year of control financially. And Daryl, last question for you is, what are you going to be doing on draft day, uh, on, the, on the day one? What are you going to be doing? Are you going to be uh, uh, in Cleveland? Are you going to be in Breer? Are you going to be uh, I, I'll be where I'm always at draft night, and that is in Berea in the media room, uh, sitting, waiting for the phone to buzz and uh, <laughs> something to percolate. And, you know, hopefully it'll be a quiet evening, but uh, I don't anticipate because, uh, as we know, the NFL draft when it comes to the Cleveland Browns is rarely a quiet time. But just saying for argument's sake, nothing happens. You can literally just be sitting there all night and nothing happens. Then I will write a thousand-word article on how nothing happened <laughs> and everything begins on Friday. <laughs> some people are just not having draft parties in our highlight on the first night. They're saving it all for the uh, Friday night. Yeah, uh, and it's my understanding right now, and this is obviously subject to change, but I do not believe that the Browns are holding a draft party. You know, they've had draft parties the last couple of years uh, on that opening night, and it's been a, a rather big deal. Obviously, when you have the first pick or the second pick in the draft like they've had uh, in, in recent time, uh, it's a big deal, but um, you know, there's just there's not a lot of draft buzz. It's no longer the obsession. The fate of the franchise does not rest on the 2019 NFL draft. I mean, it's it's refreshing for Browns fans, and it's certainly refreshing for me. I have other things I can talk about <laughs> with this football team than uh, you know than uh, the potential of a draft pick. Um, so it's 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 just a sign of just how far this franchise has come in a very positive way in uh, in such a short amount of time all right excellent well look daryl thank you so much for your time where can people find your details uh you can read all my work at 923thefan.com and also uh i'm on social media instagram at right or wrong and on twitter it's right or wrong fan and the last name is spelled r-u-i-t-e-r with the word wrong and fan so that's where i can be found Excellent. And Daryl, are we going to see you in Europe at all soon? Uh, probably not. Uh, the Browns do not have any games scheduled in London. They, uh, they played their game, so I don't think that they're going to be traveling across the pond anytime soon. So uh, unless I hit the lottery, um, I will probably be staying stateside uh, for a while. Yeah, I think with the Browns, hopefully, as we all hope, it's going to be a, a strong uh, prime time team they're not going to be offered to london that much in the near yeah they're, they're going to have a lot of prime time games this year i'm anticipating at least four will be on the schedule and the days of the 1 p.m kickoff at first energy stadium in downtown cleveland oh those are going to be a distant memory because uh, the browns like i said they'll be playing on thursday nights sunday nights monday nights sunday afternoon at 4 p.m so you over there on uh, on your side of the ocean there you're going to have to adjust your uh, your watching schedule correct so um yeah even with myself flying over 
The one o'clock Sunday was lovely because I could get an eight o'clock flight home on Sunday and get to work for Monday morning. So, um, yeah, it, it has really <laughs> upset my flying patterns that I have to be so flexible now with Thursdays, Mondays, and uh, yeah, four o'clock Sunday games. So uh, it's going to be quite exciting. Look, I'll take on the chin all day long. Let's uh, we'll play prime time versus one o'clock on a Sunday if the Browns are doing well. Yeah, we should have a schedule, by the way, within uh, a week to 10 days. Yeah, the word on the street is next Thursday. That is, uh, that is the hot rumor that I am hearing. So uh, we will be ready for it. And, uh, and also on the same day that John Dorsey will tell us absolutely nothing about what his plans are for the <laughs> NFL draft. So it'll be, it'll be a great day. John Dorsey will talk to us and tell us nothing. And then later that night, we're going uh, to get the schedule. And uh, tell us, last, last question is, what game do you want first for the Browns? I, th- I think it's going to be a Monday nighter against the New York Jets. The NFL's doing right now, uh, the, you know, the, the 100th season promotion. Yeah. Well, this is the 50th season for Monday Night Football. And as we all know, the Cleveland Browns played the Jets at Cleveland Stadium in the first Monday night game. So I would not be the least bit surprised to see the Browns kick off their season on Monday night against the Jets. I do know from what I understand, Fox Sports does want the Browns. Uh, the, the Browns Thursday night game will not be buried on NFL Network in September. Uh, it will be part of the Fox package. And from what I hear, it's going to be against the Pittsburgh Steelers in Cleveland. So uh, that's uh, what I can tell you of what I've heard from a scheduling standpoint. But again, I'm putting them down for four or five primetime games with all three networks, ESPN, Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football on NBC, and then, of course, Thursday Night Football on Fox, all getting a bite of the Browns because uh, they all want they all – they're, they're now America's team, Paul. They, that's <laughs> what I'm calling them. They're America's team. Everybody's back on the bandwagon. Well, Cleveland Browns Day, they're calling the global team. So uh, it's, uh, it's getting crazy. And I think you're going to see – like Ronaldo soccer shirts everywhere in the world, I think you're going to be starting to see Browns Beckham shirts all around the world. Just well, saying that. People can pull their Browns gear out of the closet now, right? No one's going to be ashamed to wear their Browns gear anymore. So uh, uh, I don't think it's necessarily a matter of, you know, people are jumping on the bandwagon and, and, and rooting for the, the hip, cool team. I think it's just that there are so many Browns evidenced by, uh, you know, us doing this podcast here. Uh, you know, there, there are Browns fans all around the world uh, that have rooted for the team, so dating back to its inception. And uh, I, I think that everyone's going to be able to come out of the woodwork and wear their brown and orange proudly. Excellent. Daryl, thank you very much for your time. And maybe I may see you in New York on the first game of the season. All right. Sounds good, Paul. And uh, when you come to Cleveland in May, please uh, reach out and uh, let's hook up. Excellent. Go Browns. <laughs>